episode 65 of the glass of joe podcast we haven't had a guest in a little bit but we changed that because you know pj we like to have on the zeros and the fives a nice guest and we've got a great one for this episode um i forgot to introduce ourselves but you know what you know us by now joe malfa here pj glasser there our guest is john boy of john boy media you know him from all of his breakdowns that he does on twitter with the world series started we couldn't think of a better guest to have on we're sure to have some breakdowns throughout the world series but he breaks it down for us right here Pleased to welcome to the show one of the founders of John Boy Media, co-host of Talking Baseball Podcast. John Boy, great to meet you, man. Thanks for doing this. We know you're a busy guy. Uh, baseball season is winding down. So how you doing with uh, the season almost over? We're good. We're getting to the point where I'm excited about planning out like off-season content and, and new things. And I have a baby on the way. So I'll be- Oh, congratulations. Nice. Yeah, it could be. Today, tomorrow, we're like very, very close. So we'll see if I even get to uh, ride out the end of this World Series. But <laughs> it's good, man. It was another long but successful and uh, fun season for us. Do you know if it's going to be a girl or a boy yet? Nope. We'll be surprised whenever, uh, nice. whenever they, they come out. Very Love cool. it. Uh, well, look, we obviously want to talk to you about the World Series and the Yankees. Before we get into that, though, Joe and I were big fans of yours. We love the breakdowns that you do. They're so entertaining, and it's just a simple, brilliant idea. So we want to know, how did that all come about? Do you have a favorite one that you've done so far? Favorite's really hard. Uh, the, the, the Aaron Boone Savages in the Box one makes me laugh. I, I probably go back every six months and watch it in full, and I, I forget how funny it is just from all the interactions and from what Booney said. It, it, they started because um, the Tigers and Yankees got into a brawl and I wanted to see what everyone did in the brawl. So I took all the angles and I slowed it down. And I was like, let's see, let's follow Gary from the start to the end. Cause he was, he soccer punched someone and people were fighting if he did or he didn't. And let's see what Ellsbury did. Cause that's kind of like, you know, what's Ellsbury doing a brawl. Let's follow him. Sonny gray uh, stormed in and just pinned someone right away. So it, that's how it started is, and those are up there. Like the first ones I did, I'm in my nine to five job. I'm kind of whispering into the mic and it's really just, Hey, I, I looked at this footage for my own entertainment and like information. Cause I was curious, what did everyone do during this brawl? I guess other people would probably be interested. So that was the first one that like, I called like a breakdown of the footage. And, and then they were, then for a year or two, they were just Yankees videos and they were like walk-offs. What is everyone doing? A walk-off celebration um, or ejections. What's everyone doing an ejection or, or just like a, a, a silly picture. They were very much more like satirical, like the a breakdown was much more satirical than than serious. It still kind of is. <laughs> yeah, now, the breakdowns uh, are good. What when you like? What's the process like? Do you just kind of? I mean, you, you got your eye on like all the games on a given night. Um, you, you see something happen. You you know you get the ball rolling on it. How much work goes into getting all the footage, getting all the angles, cutting it all? Like we see the finished product, but like what goes behind that? Yeah, a decent amount. So obviously I can't watch all the games every night. So a lot of it, we have like a Google form that people can submit requests in. And um, I did a hockey one last night that, or I did two hockey ones recently. And I, I, so I was just going through the request form and seeing what people were requesting. And then, if I, and then I'll go look at it and see if I think it's actually going to be fun to make. And then I'll make it. So I, we like really appreciate when people utilize that. Uh, other, other times there's times where like my Twitter blows up and it's like, you know, 
And then it's like, all right, I should run and do this. There's a, a blatant blown call or a blatant brawl or ejection where my Twitter blows up. And then gathering the footage takes a, a, as long as the footage takes. So say the brawl lasts 25 minutes, you know, then I, I record 25 minutes of the home feed and then just by gathering the footage. And then uh, it's just watching it, syncing it up, sorting through, taking like, oh, they showed this replay two innings later, but that actually is the best angle. And then trying to put it in chronological order <clears throat> using both broadcasts, all the audio, and like just like taking whatever they can they offer and just rearranging the puzzle into the way that I think tells the story the best. And then, you know, if there's lip reading, that takes a while. They, they, they take... <laughs> probably like four, four hours these days um, wow. with, with ad reads and, and, uh, and gathering footage. Well, there you go. That's how the sausage is made on the breakdown videos. Love that. Um, look, I, I was telling PJ before you hopped on, like, it's awesome to, you know, think of, you know, a person like you, you know, 20, 30 years ago, like doesn't exist. So for all the putrid things that come with social media, like this is one of the good things that come out of it and, and we enjoy them all. And I'm sure we're going to get plenty in the world series. And speaking of which game one tonight, um, who do you like in the series? Who wins MVP? Well, our co-host and former big leaguer Trevor Plouffe predicted that the Braves would win over the Astros in six back in March. Wow. So I'm, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm heavily invested in him getting that prediction correct. So uh, whoever wins today, I hope loses tomorrow and we guarantee a game five. And then I hope we guarantee game six and then the Braves win. Um I don't know. I don't know why. I'm excited because Framber has one good start now where his velo really ticked up, but a lot of bad ones where um, I, I like Framber a lot when he's on. So I, I just hope it's a pitcher's duel. I just really want it to be close and kind of like five runs or less on either side. Uh, the blowouts are – the early blowouts uh, aren't as fun for me. So, And we've seen a lot of those with the, the Astros because their bats are so potent. Absolutely. Were you um, were you more impressed by the Braves still making it after all they've been through this year, or more surprised that the Dodgers still couldn't pull it off? More surprised that the Dodgers couldn't pull it off because the the NL East was was like I'm awful. Like the Braves winning the division didn't surprise me, but the Braves winning the World Series I think is surprising. But the Dodgers not winning the division and then not and then. Um, overcoming the Giants, but then it's the Braves that takes them down. I don't think anyone would have guessed or written that script besides Trevor Plouffe, of course. Right. <laughs> I mean, they probably should have got swept. The Dodgers were lucky to win that game three. Yeah. Um, now, John Boy, you know, everybody will probably be rooting for Atlanta in the World Series outside of the city of Houston. I'm curious as a Yankees fan, do you think that the Astros have overtaken the Red Sox in the most hated team or are the Red Sox still number one most hated among Yankees fans? Oh, I think it's kind of split. I mean, I was rooting for the Astros to beat the Red Sox. Um, I think I explained it once. In 20 years from now, I'm still going to dislike the Red Sox and and want to make sure the Yankees have bet more World Series and have won more recently than them. In 20 years from now, I, I doubt I care about the Astros. I'm already like halfway over it. Um, there's only like four or five guys left. Um, but there's – I'm not – I don't know if I'm in the majority. I think it might be split because there were some Yankee fans that were um, – more so rooting for the Astros to lose than the Red Sox, which I still can't really wrap my head around. But I, mm. but as far as third-party fans go, the Astros are definitely up there. 
I think third party NL fans uh, hate the Astros. Um, I think Yankees Astros are probably one, two hated AL teams. Mm-hmm. Um, now talking about your team, Boone re-signed last week, a three-year deal. Do you get the sense that when people talk about the Yankees, do, do does more of the blame come on Cashman for how he's constructed the team or do more people put blame on Boone and think that the team's good enough, but they're just not getting the results? Um, well, so that's probably split. A lot of people, um, point at Cashman, but the thing about pointing at Cashman is that he also has a lot of really good moves in his past that are like tangible. Like even the Voight trade was good. Um, you know, he traded for Sessa and green and uh, there's a lot of little moves. He picked up, um, Gio Urshela who turned into a stud for him. There's a lot of little trades and little moves that you can say, Oh, that was a good one by Cashman, you know? So as far as like managing go managing goes there, there's not that with Boone because he, and I just think that's the nature of being a manager versus mm-hmm. being a GM. Um, Cause you know, we don't know what Boone does. We just saw the Cardinals keep all their coaches, but fire the manager. Mm-hmm. And we're in a world where I think coaches matter more than managers. And now the Yankees fire all their coaches, but keep the manager because I don't think that position means much. All, all they want is to get along with the guy and the Cardinals weren't getting along with Schilt and the Yankees get along with Boone. Then it's any blame is going to land on coaches over manager these days. It seems. Absolutely. I listen to Michael K show all the time. And, and one of the, points that Michael K hammers home every single time this comes up is if you fire Boone, all you're going to do is hire another Boone who is going to listen to the higher management cashman and the analytics people. And that's it. Like it's, it's all it is is just another person, same type of guy, different name. So it, it's an interesting debate, like as far as what matters, what doesn't, but um, looking around the whole AL East Yanks, Sox, Rays all made the playoffs this year. Jays were right there. Um, the O's have a deep pipeline because they've just sucked for so long. Um, you look down the road three to five years. What do you kind of see the, the pecking order as in the AL East? I, I think we're going to have a, a mishmash. I mean, you can't count the Rays out. Um, they won pretty easily. I, d- I don't know if it's going to be anyone's three or four year stretch. Mm. If, if you told me there was going to be four different division winners in the next four years, I, I think anyone would be like, okay. Like, yeah, that, I, that's not shocking. Uh, you know, the, the Blue Jays are losing a couple key pieces that they got to get, they got to replace, or they may be losing with uh, Simeon and Ray that they would have to replace, but they have a lot of other pieces as well. Um, Yankees got to re, rework the most, I, I guess, because it's not it, the per, half, the, 75% of the personnel's there. It's just kind of the style and the, and the, and the go mode, but. Red Sox will be good. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it's like, you know, the 2020s are going to belong to this team. It's probably going to just be a shit show. <laughs> Best way to describe the yeah, AL uh, um, If you could pluck anybody from Major League Baseball and put them on the Yankees, not named Mike Trout or Jacob deGrom, who would you take? Otani. Can I take Otani? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like that. Ways. Sure. Gets hurt one way, just do the other thing. What are your thoughts? <laughs> What are your thoughts on him? I mean, do you think that 
maybe not to this dominance, but do you think he could stay healthy and kind of do what he did for maybe another three, four years? I, it just still seems like out of the realm of possibility, but he continues to prove it. Per, first, people thought he wouldn't be able to do it. He did it his rookie year. Yeah. I think he wouldn't be able to do it at a high level. He did it both at a high level this year. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to doubt him anymore. I think it's going to be really hard. It seems yeah. like he has to work twice as hard. Well, it doesn't seem like he has to. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't doubt him. Fair enough. Now, last one here before we get to uh, the two segments we like to do with all our guests. Uh, a rapid fire segment and then a, a trivia question at the end um, at this stage, like your, your media company has grown like so fast already from that first day that you had, you know, just in your office with the Yankees and Tigers brawl, where do you see yourself taking? What, what else do you want to do and expand to um, as this continues to, to grow and snowball? Yeah, I think, you know, we're growing pretty big and it should be a fun off season for us. And, what we want to do is uh, grow and allow more people to um, fulfill this dream or whatever phrasing you want to use there. But to, to do this, you know, uh, Jake and I were both working nine to five jobs and, and then we were given the opportunity to, to give this a chance and to grind it out and to talk about sports and create content and have fun. And, and you got to work really hard and it's nonstop, but it's incredibly rewarding and much better than, uh, you know, the previous jobs we had. So if we can, if we can offer that to more creators and young people that are want to get in the game and, and have the, the dedication to it, that that's the job. So we're looking in the future to grow in all ways, uh, not just baseball, but other sports and all that. And, and I think it's all going to be about finding people that um, will grab the opportunity and go with it. Like we did. Love it. Um, all right. As Joe mentioned, we have the Swift seven, seven rapid fire questions, and then a trivia question for you. So question number one for you, John boy, uh, your favorite Yankee of all time is who? Derek Jeter. Favorite sport besides baseball. To play or to watch? Uh, both. Uh, besides baseball, I was going to say wiffle ball. <laughs> uh, ping pong to play and hockey to play. Uh, which baseball stadium do you most want to get to that you haven't been to yet? My answer was always PNC, but we went there this year, so I have to think about this. Um, for some weird reason, I want to go to Target Field. I think it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of an odd answer, too, I think. Nice. Uh, go to Dodger Stadium. It's old. Okay. Uh, what's better, New York hot dog, pizza, or pretzel? Pizza. Bagels also in there too, but pizza is a good way to go. Yeah, bagel. <laughs> then bagel. The difference between um, bagels East Coast to West is so big that when I live in California, I don't eat bagels. I don't even like, <laughs> I avoid them. If someone offers me them, I say no, because uh, they're like English muffin, pre-made frozen bagels. Pizza, whatever. Bad pizza is pizza. Bad bagel is just like a, a, a rock they're calling it. Uh, yeah, bad bagel is just a bad piece of bread is what that is. So you pizza yeah, It's not worth your time, but bad pizza you can still have. So, so it's an option bagel. Okay. There you go. Uh, number five, a week from now, we live in a universe where, say, the Astros are World Series champs. Does that change the perception of them in the public eye, or will they continue to be seen as the villains? Mm, I mean, to the casual fan, continue to be the villains probably. Number six. I like this one. Least favorite umpire in Major League Baseball. Angel Hernandez. 
Gotta be. Gotta be. But you got some options there, which says a lot about the state of Major League Baseball umpiring. Uh, number seven, the last one here before the trivia question. What happens first, in your opinion? Yankees win a World Series or Cashman and Boone both get fired? Both? Both. World Series. Mm. All right. Okay. Nice. Uh, your trivia question, speaking of Yankees World Series, since obviously the World Series starts tonight, we thought we'd give you a question on that. So you get 90 seconds and you get three strikes. And your question is, the Yankees haven't been to a World Series, as you know, since 2009. They beat the Phillies in six games that year. Can you tell us who the starting lineup was for that game six clincher? You don't have to give the batting order in, in order. You just have to tell us who the, the guys were for the Yankees starting in, in the field. Um, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Posada, Teixeira, Cano, Jeter, A-Rod, uh, Ellsbury, so not Ellsbury, um, Damon. Yep. Matsui. Correct. You, Melky. Not Melky, no. no. You're missing no, center field. Gardner. Gardner, yep. Gardner. And then right and field. Swisher. Well done. That was well too done. easy, PJ. Too easy. You gave him a, a softball. Should have last out because that's harder because it's like Jerry Harrison Jr. Um, replaced Damon, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. PJ well, literally well, has in our, in our rundown, he said, bonus points if you can tell us who the 10th guy who came in to pinch hit was, dot, 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 Jerry Harrison Jr. Jerry Harrison Jr. <laughs> last out. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Uh, do you and know who so, the starting pitcher was for that game? I'm sure you do. Oh, come on. He gave us the other 10. He definitely knows this. I was That, that was the hardest part because uh, it was game six. Yeah. Is Pettit? It was. Yeah. Well done. God, that was easy. Well done. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes we have guys on and it's like the questions that you think would be easy for them, they don't get. And then the hard yeah, you ones. Never, you never know. So you never know. But well and, done. And there's, that been, was, that was there's been a bunch of questions that like we thought people should get. But like, again, it's like it's like the Jeopardy effect. Like it's easy to sit at home on the couch and be like, oh, I know that question. But you, get up there on stage. One, you gave me one strike, too. So I, I did get you know Melky over Melky and Gardner had mixed up. Melky got hurt halfway through, I believe. Yeah, exactly. When you and people in your office are sitting around, I'm sure, and you're talking about, like, old Yankees, is there one that's come up recently that was just like, what a name drop that was? Huh, I don't know. We probably get so deep. Like, I love <laughs> dropping Ramiro Pena. Oh, yeah. And he was the 9 bench guy. So, but no. I mean, there's relievers. We're too in the weeds here. Everyone knows yeah. too much. You sure. drop, like, you know – Joe Mantiply from the 18 Yankees. And it's like, what? You pitched one? Right. You know. <laughs> Very nice. Well, my favorite baseball trivia question, and Sam knows this, is there are three players in MLB history that are in the 500 home run club that have hit 100 or more with three different teams. We asked that to Tim Kirchin, and he didn't get it. Um, so I was thinking about that one for you, but we've already asked it. It's, it's oh, a tough one. A-Rod? A-Rod is one. That is correct. You know what? I don't even Jake, remember the answer. Jake would be good at this. Jake, trivia question. There's three <laughs> players that have hit 500 home runs, 100 home runs with three different teams. I got A-Rod. So there's two more. 500 home runs, three different teams. He said not Griffey. Is Tomei? No, he probably not. Yeah, Tomei. Tell of- tell Chicago, no. Cleveland, and Minnesota. Yep. 
Yeah. Just Tome is the one you never think of as a 500 home run hitter. So he's kind of like, right. Usually not even on people's radar. The last guy's the toughest one because people forget the third team. But if you, if you get it, that, that's very impressive. Last guy's toughest one. People forget the third team. Um, not Griffey said again. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who is it? Reggie Jackson. People forget with, uh, with the angels. People do forget with the angels. I would have never thought he got a hundred home runs with the angels. Yep. So there you go. That's my best one. You can use that throughout the, uh, throughout the how company. Long did he play with the angels. I don't know how long he did. It's I think like he Yankees had claim him. Obviously the Yankees claim him. Yep. So the angels just don't get to at all. <laughs> I guess so. I think he had a 50 home run year with them one year or something. And that's where he got most of it. But, John Boy, appreciate it, man. It was great meeting you. Thanks for the time. And best of luck with the baby as well. Hope all goes well. Congratulations in advance and, and good luck. Yep. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Take it easy. Take care. Had no idea that he uh, was expecting a child. That's awesome. Congratulations to him. Uh, if it's a boy, do you think they're going to name it Derek or Mariano or uh, Jorge or If it's Andy? a boy, is it? if it's a boy, it's, it's a John Boy boy. It's a John baby right now is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, that'd be a John boy boy. Um, you, know, I, you know, I don't, I don't think, yeah, you know what? I don't know what his significant other is like, but I feel like, uh, I feel like husbands could end up in the doghouse if they try to knowingly name uh, a kid after a player. My dad slipped it by my mom, but she didn't know about it. Uh, my brother's name is Alex and the, Ranger player from the from when they won the cup back in '94, uh, Alex Kovalev. My dad didn't like specifically like him as a player, like not even top twenty of his favorite Rangers. He just liked the name. So when when he suggested the name Alex when my brother was born, he didn't tell your mom. He that. didn't tell her. Like he was drawing it from there. Uh huh. Like he never told her until like years Smart. later. Like what? Yeah. Like where did that idea come from? He was like, oh, Alex Kovalev on the Rangers. So. Um, yeah, it's gotta be like the greatest honor for an athlete, doesn't it? Like if somebody right. were to come up to you and they're like, "I'm named my name because of but you." That, but that's what makes it so weird for my brother. Like my dad didn't even like him specifically as a player. It was just he when they were going through names, he was like, "Just take in," and it was like, "Oh, I kind of like that one. How about that one?" And my mom went with it. So, see, Alex, you can pull it off with. Exactly, we're gonna name your kid like LeBron. You know what I mean? Like you know, obviously, you yeah. know where that's coming from. But uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, and if you are. Unless you're Hispanic, naming your kid Mariano probably isn't uh, isn't it's a little it's yeah, a little forward not, as well. So, uh, but he said some really interesting things about the World Series and about um, uh, about kind of the way he first of all his one of his coworkers having Trevor Braves four, yeah um, four to two that that's impressive in the first place Very from way back in March already off to a good start because yeah. the Braves are guaranteed at least to split in Houston so Plouffe's got to be feeling pretty good about that. We saw this from the Astros a couple of years ago, right? Washington, another NL East team. It's like the Patriots in the Super Bowl versus the NFC. Yeah. The Astros versus the NL East. The Astros so have lost coming. five straight home World Series games That's... against the NL East. Because remember that in that series, the home team won every game. So I mean, sorry, the road team won every game in that series. So crazy. Lost five uh, in a row at home. Yeah, and you know, I think Atlanta's got another good shot to win Game Two tonight, as we record this on Wednesday. It's just, uh, you know, right now, Atlanta's lineup, <clears throat> they're getting contributions from everybody. In the NLCS against the Dodgers, it was mostly Rosario who's carrying the mm -hmm. load. 
And, uh, you know, Dansby had some big hits, Freddie Freeman. But yesterday, Solaire started off the game with the homer. Travis Darnot added one. Duval added one. So they're just getting contributions to everybody. Also, shout out to Charlie uh, Morton for pitching on a broken leg. Oh, uh, yeah. 16 pitches with a fractured fibula. That's, uh, that's some determination right there. So props to him. But, man, the injuries just keep stacking up for the Braves. Imagine if they had, like, a healthy Morton and Soroka and Acuna. Yeah. I know that Houston's missing, you know, McCullers and Verlander. But, uh, yeah, you know, Atlanta just – it's next man up. They keep on coming. I think they're going to win game two. They keep it going. Um, and then game three is really where the yeah. season, where the series begins. You would think the Astros would win that one. I got the Astros tonight. Um, I just think like it's, you can't keep their bats quiet, uh, that long and especially at home and, and like watching last night's game, there was a lot of an element of luck there, uh, not entirely, but a decent amount. Like yeah. when Guriel hit it two inches below the yellow line uh, earlier in the game when it was still, I believe, 3 nothing, um, someone on the ass, I can't remember who now, um, they flew out to, like, left center, but, like, right next to the cutout of the Crawford yeah, boxes. I think it was Brantley. I, I, yeah, so you go you go 10 feet left, and it's a home run. Like, sure. it's, it's the intricacies of that ballpark. And Joe Buck mentioned on the broadcast that the Guriel one, it's a homer in 28 of the 30 ballparks, but that wasn't one of them. Yeah. Um, I guess the other would probably have to be – Fenway, just because you're probably at that height, you're probably true. hitting it off the monster too. True, true. Because, um, because it, I mean, the distance on that was terrific. It was a matter of just, I guess, the height. And, and all the Braves homers were just short little ones to exactly, left field that exactly. were positioned perfectly. Exactly. So I, I don't think they thoroughly, thoroughly outplayed the Astros last night. There, you know, you got your elements of baseball ballpark lock in there based on where you hit it, how you hit it, and even them. Was it? Uh, uh, Might have been Solaire. Uh, that that like switch check swing bunt mm. that uh, Stanek like had to like scramble to and then yep. everything was going their way. The the Braves team right now is reminding me of the Royals team from 2015 when they beat the Mets, where it's not a lot of big names and they're not specifically relying just on the home run ball. They got it last night and they got it a couple of times, you know, against the Brewers. But they're just they're moving the line, they're getting their hits, they're whenever they're getting their homers, it's with somebody on base because they're doing a good job of getting on base. They're not just hitting solo shots. Um, and that's a tough, that's a tough team to beat. But um, again, I just, it, the Astros talent level is just overwhelming. Um, the key will be the bullpen. Those three lefties in there, Matzik, Minter, and, uh, and Smith at the back end. It's going to be tough to break down. But like even last night, like they, they got to those guys a couple of times, not for runs, they got guys on base. They work counts. So you could see there that I think the Astros are going to flip a switch. Uh, I think they win tonight. I think they go ahead and take game one in Atlanta. Uh, game three of the series, game one in Atlanta, just because and I feel like you, you're so amped up for your first home World Series game in two decades, and, and it could be kind of a letdown. But the uh, I think the Braves come back and make it two to two. So we'll get Trevor Plouffe's wish of at least guaranteeing a game six. It'll be two to two, and then uh, – He'll be hoping that uh, the Braves win game five and six, and I'll be hoping the other way because I have Astros in six. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah, it should be a great series. You make a, a good point kind of about just how really in that ballpark 
it's kind of just like in Fenway. Sometimes it's not about how hard you hit it. It's where you hit it. You Jordan know? Alvarez has two stand-up triples in the last two games. Like, that's not happening in any ballpark. Crazy. For, and <laughs> if crazy. the hill if the hill was still there in Houston like it was years ago, he probably isn't out both times, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It, uh, yeah, that stadium is, is very funky. And you don't think of it as one of, like, the more uh, – funkier stadiums but then when you watch it there's a lot of different nuances within right. the, within the you, you think of maybe like the trop with the catwalk you think of um you think of fenway with all fenway. the different sized yeah. walls of course that's the number san one francisco thing. with their right center right right you think of that i always like lump yankee stadium in there just because it's so easy to hit a homer down the lines like it's sure. a traditional it's the same wall all the way around but like just the way that it is the lines uh wrigley with the different jutting out and the ivy like you you have all these ones that you think about and and how it really like it's it's deeper down the lines because there's that like outward cut like there's so many intricacies but but this one minute made now that we've seen the astros in the lcs five years in a row and people have watched it more um nobody was watching games at minute made when they suck and they were in rebuild but now that everybody's been forced to watch it five years in a row i think you realize just how wild it is there and it, it could help. It could hurt. And last night it hurt for the Astros. And tonight we'll see what it has in store. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, college football now. We have a we have a solid week in uh, yeah, college. Yeah, last week, week was horrendous. Nothing really and good NFL last week. And college. Yeah, although in the Newton window, the college games, some of them were interesting. Penn State got upset. Kansas yeah. was giving Oklahoma Oh, we're going to talk about that for sure. For a little bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But, look, the Big Ten's got some great games this week. Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, a lot of good games. Those are really the more key ones. There are some interesting games like Auburn, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Houston, SMU, San Diego State, Fresno. Some good games. But – Definitely Baylor, Baylor home, Texas as well is a good game at noon. Baylor, Texas. Um, but definitely the Michigan State, Michigan, and the uh, the Ohio State, Penn State are the headliners. Joe, the way I see it, I think right now there are five teams that control their destiny in college football. I think Georgia controls their destiny if they make the playoff. I think Bama controls theirs. I think Oklahoma controls theirs. And then I think Michigan and Michigan State control theirs. So – the winner, uh, the loser of this game isn't out per se, but they're out because they both have to play yeah. Ohio State. So uh, yeah. this is kind of a playoff. Well, game. I was going to say, as far as that goes, if you're going to say that Michigan and Michigan State both control their destiny, then I think you got to bump that out to also Oregon and to also Ohio State because uh, if Ohio State runs the table, they're beating whoever wins Michigan, Michigan State. So that means that they would also have all those teams would have one loss and Ohio state would have beaten the victor of, of that game. And then Oregon, if they went out, they have the win over Ohio state. So it could get, it could get very crowded. And look, the thing is none of these teams that control destiny are going to run the table. I'm not sure. sorry. Not none of them. One, a couple of them will, but not all of them, not all of them will run the table. So it'll sort itself out. But um, to say Michigan and Michigan state control, I think you got to also say that Ohio state and Oregon can control because um Again, if Ohio State beats whoever beats whoever wins the Michigan Michigan State game, and then if Oregon wins out, they beat Ohio State. So there, there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, and obviously Cincinnati, what role do they play in this? They have to keep beating people by yeah. thirty, and and they have to root for Notre Dame, other teams as well, and I mean, SMU. Yeah, to yeah. be undefeated when they play. 
Uh, Michigan State-Michigan game, I like the over in this game. Whenever Michigan plays a road game against a ranked team, it seems like the total always goes over. I think they're like 9-1 and one in their last 10 Big Ten road mm-hmm. games. Um, I do like Michigan in the game, though. I feel like in this rivalry, Michigan State beats Michigan when you're not expecting it. Like, when Michigan's ranked and Michigan State's kind of like 4-3 and three on the season, that's when they upset Michigan. But in a game like this, when it's high-profiled, when East Lansing will be packed, when everybody will be fired up and it's two top 10 teams in the country. I think it'll be close in the first half. It'll be a defensive game. And then I think in the second half, late third quarter, fourth quarter, Michigan will kind of pull away. So agreed hundred percent. I like the over. I like them to cover the four and a half. Um, you know, these two teams really haven't played anybody. They Again, both of them still have to play Ohio State and Penn State. So we're going to figure out over this next month just how good both of these teams are. But uh, I, I do like I do like Michigan to win this game. There's a couple of interesting lines I saw in the Big Ten, too. I mean, Iowa, three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road against Wisconsin up until last week when Wisconsin beat Purdue, who might have just been a flash in the pan because they beat Iowa. We didn't really think that highly of Wisconsin, and we thought the world of Iowa – and now Iowa goes on the road against Wisconsin and they're three and a half point dogs. And then the other one, um, or two more, actually, sorry, Maryland five and a half point favorites against Indiana. Is that the same Maryland team that I watched last week? I know, I know Indiana hasn't been any form of what people thought they were going to be either, but Maryland five and a half, it is homecoming. Should be a great crowd. We do match up well, but five and a half was interesting to me. And then uh, Purdue, again, just to show how, how much of a flash in the pan it, it happened to be. They beat Iowa. They get the number 25 ranking. They lose last week to, to Wisconsin. They get destroyed by Wisconsin last week. And now they're seven-and-a-half-point dogs on the road against Nebraska this week. Mm. Yeah, I saw that one. You know, Vegas kind of loves Nebraska because they cover yeah. spreads, but they don't win a lot of games. So yeah. that one was interesting. Also, the total in Iowa and Wisconsin – 36 and a half right now. I kind of like <laughs> That's the big over. 10 football right there. That really is. I kind of like the over just because both of those defenses are so opportunistic and both of those quarterbacks can be turnover machines. And, you know, a lot of people the short fields, yep. Short, short fields field and, you know, just touchdowns um, instead of field goals, really, what it be come down to. I'm with you, though. Iowa plus three and a half is just. Vegas loves Wisconsin, and they really, really do. And, you know, they put together performances like they did Purdue against last week, and it's validated. But, again, their three biggest games this year, Michigan, Notre Dame, and uh, Penn State, they've lost all of them. So Iowa's a good team. As long as they take care of the football, they'll, they'll be right in it. And uh, when it totals that low, 36-and-a-half, you got to figure it's going to be a close game. So I'm with you. As long as it's a three, three and a half, I think you got to take the underdog. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, again, those two teams have have pretty much been mirror images of each other in the Big Ten for a decade now, where it's just ground and pound and and grind it out, ball control in the time of possession and keep it tight, low scoring. So uh, Penn State, Illinois last week. We need to talk about that. Um, (laughs) First of all, Penn State, how off of a bye at home, in your homecoming game, as three touchdown favorites, do you lose that game? Looking especially ahead. coming, especially coming off of a loss the previous week. Looking um, ahead, they all they were thinking about was Ohio State. It, yes, it's a look ahead, but still, I, I, like it's. I've never thought James Franklin was a good coach, and like this is just 
more confirmation of it. You you have to have I don't care what the look ahead spot is. You you lost before the bye week. You had the bye week and you had a cupcake after the bye week. You can't lose that game under any circumstances. That is absolutely horrible. But the second thing, the overtime rules, they were put in so the games would be shorter and neither team could score a two-point conversion. <laughs> it was awful to watch. I actually took the under in that game. So when it was uh, whatever it was, when it was 18-18 and they went to like the third overtime and I know they only could do two-point conversion, I'm like, oh, I got this, fine. And then they just keep going. Overtime five, overtime seven, overtime eight. I'm like, can somebody just score and stop the other team, please? Okay. And uh, and finally, Illinois did. But I don't love the overtime rules. It yeah, was the first time I, that we got to see it in practice. I really hope there's no national. Look, I've always liked the NFL now. overtime better. I just don't like that it ends in a tie. I still like that they play football and they're I, still I, punting and they're still field goal. Like I like that aspect. I Just still like that. High. I still like that better, but I still don't like, like for me personally, I would still guarantee both teams a possession, guarantee both teams a possession game. Can't end in a tie. That's the only right. tweak I would make. I still, again, like, you don't know, somebody falls down in coverage or something in overtime because you want a coin toss and you score yeah. a touchdown. Like that's, if you're going to try to find like the perfect way to do it, either take the NFL rules, but touchdown still isn't win it. You still guarantee both a possession. Mm-hmm. Cause look, if you score a touchdown, there's still a world of pressure on the other team that they got to go and score down a touchdown. Sure. So you're still in good shape or you take the, the college rules, but like you bump it back to like the 50 instead of the 25 and just go from there. So it'll be, you, you will have, uh, it'll be a little bit tougher. So like that, yeah. that's what I'd probably say. Um, but I really just hope we don't get to a point where the national title is decided on a two point conversion. Yeah, I'm with you. That would yeah, not I don't... be fulfilling at all. Like, uh, it, you know, your, your Bama Georgia game, if that would have gotten another overtime and we would have just been going two point conversions, would that have been fulfilling? No. no. Would not have been. No, I, I'm with you there. Um, also, you know, everybody's like freaking out, like, oh my God, they went nine overtimes. I'm like, they played for 30 minutes from the two yard <laughs> line. Like, I mean, I get that it was like a lot of overtimes, but no, I'm with you. I, you know, I don't love the two point conversions. I like just keep playing from the 25 if you're going to do it and make teams go for two. Like that LSU A&M game when they Great went seven overtimes. Oh, two years ago, I guess now. Goodness, unbelievable. So, uh, so yeah, I'm with you. The two-point version is not a big fan of. Um, the, the other big game, Georgia-Florida, you know, obviously people thought Florida maybe would be better. It's always interesting to see what Mullen will do, whether he goes Emory Jones or he goes Anthony Richardson. I think Florida is going to play Georgia tough in this game. I don't know if they necessarily beat them, but Florida hasn't had a great season, and they kind of look at this they played game. played Bama tough. Played Bama tough. And this is kind of how A&M is going to treat Bama. Once they lost to Mississippi State, A&M wasn't going to the playoff. They treated Bama as their Super Bowl. Florida's lost three times. They're not going to the playoff. They're probably not going to New Year's Six. But you have a chance to beat your rival, the undisputed best team in the country. And uh, I think this will be a close game at halftime. I think it'll be a close game in the third quarter. The only thing can Florida avoid those just disastrous turnovers that Georgia's defense presents all the time. If they can take care of the ball, make Stenson Bennett beat them, um, you know, this will be this will be a good game because Florida's offense is still averaging 500 yards of offense per game. 
Um, you know, they're just not winning. They're not six and one or seven and oh, so people don't realize that. But this was a team that beat Georgia 44 to 28 last year. I know they lost Pitts and Tony and Trask. They lost a bunch of dudes, but they can still put up yards, still put up points. And uh, I think I think they're going to keep it close with Georgia. Agreed. I think if you I haven't actually seen a line for the first half there yet. Uh, I don't actually know if it exists because neither starting quarterback is set. The line for the yeah. game is the game's and a half. fourteen, so I yeah. would think it's seven and a half. Probably. It's going to be around there. I, I I would say maybe you you, you take a chance on Florida first half mm. um, to to cover that, but it's going to be tight. Uh, it's it's look like as we've gone through it here, it's it's actually a better slate than I even realized it was this week, and and it makes up for last week because last week was just horrific. And the same could be said for the NFL. This week's NFL slate a little bit better as well. But before we get to the slate itself and uh, and what we saw this past week, trade deadline is on the horizon. By the time we record the next episode, trade deadline will have passed. Um, are there any specific team player fits or, or not necessarily team player fit, like you want player A on team B, but you know you want team B to get a receiver or anything like that that stick out to you as far as a move that should be made? Um, I mean, not necessarily. If I'm just thinking of my team, I'm interested to see what the Ravens do maybe at the running back position. Do they try and trade for a guy knowing that Gus and Dobbins will be back next year? Cleveland with all the injuries they have, do they go after somebody? It's kind of, it'll be interesting to see what teams buy and what teams sell because, you know, the AFC right now has four teams that are five and two. There are a couple that are four and two right behind them. You got Kansas City at three and four. Um, you know, the Chiefs are another one. We've been talking about how much they need a weapon on offense outside of Hill and Kelsey, but their defense can't stop anybody. Defense is horrific. So do, does Kansas City go after it this year, or do they just say, look, our defense is atrocious. We got we to gotta go after it like Cincinnati did this offseason. We'll just take care of that next year. Or because you have Patrick Mahomes, do you just say, you know what? We're That's the thing. Every in. year you have Patrick Mahomes, you probably got to be all in. Um, but I think it's like the, the defense has talent. It's just not playing well. And they have a good D coordinator in Spags. So, like, I think it's one of those where you, you do what you can. You get to the bye week. You see what you could tweak. We've seen it with Spags before with the Giants and with the Chiefs where – the team is just playing terribly on defense, but the last month of the season, all of a sudden they kick it up a notch because he figures something out. They figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think they're in a spot where they stay the course. There's a, there's a number of teams that I, I think could be buyers. And this is going to be a real interesting case study this year because the last couple decades, you can't really say the NFL's ever been this wide open. I mean, you take a look at the standings right now and, there it's it's absolutely wide. You got the Bengals as the number one seed right now. You got a number of teams who are legitimate contenders. Um, if you go up and down the, uh, the the list in the standings, so in past years, like it's been all right. The Patriots, Tom Brady team. The um, there was that year when the Panthers were fifteen and one. The Broncos with Peyton Manning. Like, there there was a team to beat. Um, but this year, like all right, the Bills are at four and two. The Raiders, Chargers are five and two and four and two respectively atop the AFC West. The Bengals and the Ravens are both five and two, with the Browns at four and three. The Titans are five and two. That's the AFC. In the NFC, you've got the Cowboys at five and one, the Cardinals at seven and zero, oh, the Rams at six and one in the same division, the Packers at six and one, the Bucks at six and one, the Saints at four and two. It's wide open, so mm-hmm. you could have a little bit of an arms race here, where I think teams are more inclined than usual to try and go out and make a trade that they wouldn't have made in a previous year 
you look at the Packers right now where they're probably trying to go all in, being that it's going to be Rodgers last year. Do they go ahead and do something that they usually don't do? And that's make a trade for a guy like Brandon Cooks and bring him in at receiver or a guy like Allen Robinson, although the Bears would probably never trade him to the Packers. Um, but Allen Robinson is probably a guy who's on the move and probably could go to your Ravens. So there, there's a few guys that stuck out. Uh, Marcus May from the Jets to like the, to the Bucks or to the Chiefs could make a lot of sense. Or to the Cowboys as well as they try to like fully – solidify that defense mm-hmm. um there's there's a number of teams that i think can be buyers and and i like certain players in certain situations you, you, you got to look at the bad teams too like who is most willing to sell Do they have anybody who's disgruntled or a contract they want to get rid of um the dolphins had all the talk with Xavier howard and his contract in the offseason they're at one and six they're going nowhere um do they trade him to a team again like the bucks who's a super bowl caliber team who needs a corner so the, the guy who wanted to trade in the offseason now gets it at the trade deadline. Um, you, you start going around again, Panthers with Brandon Cooks, the Jets with Marcus May. Like you start looking at, at some of these decent pieces on bad teams and you see where they go. I think it's going to be a very active deadline, not talking, you know, MLB or NBA trade, de- trade deadline here, but there, there could be a number of players on the move that we're going to sit back and say like, that wasn't a big splash, but like, we'll, we'll applaud it. Like, like nice move. That, that's a, that's going to really help you out um, in a very, very tight race here down the stretch in all divisions. Yeah, Packers could be another team. Do they get Rodgers another weapon kind of on the outside? Uh, obviously won't have Devontae Adams against the Cardinals tomorrow. No Alan Lazard either, which is a shame because it's 7-0 Arizona versus 6-1 Green Bay, the game of the year so far yeah. in the NFL. Spread was at 3.5. Now it's all the way up to 6.5 because Green Bay has all these COVID issues. You're giving me six and a half with Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if you and I are out there, Joe, I'm going to take the points. Uh, I still think Arizona wins the game, but six and a half, as long as 12's back there, um, I think that's too many points. Some other games I'm interested in, Tennessee and Indianapolis. Tennessee, they just played Buffalo. They just played Kansas City. They won both of those games. It had to take a lot out of them. They have the Rams next Sunday night um, in that big showdown, and they play the Colts at in Indy this week. They've already beaten Indy. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be on the Titans because of how they looked in recent form. They're just the sexy, flashy team to pick with Henry and Brown and Julio and all the weapons they got. Um, but, you know, the Colts have been one of those teams. They're three and four, but you it know, should, should be four and three. The should Ravens, the Ravens exactly. right. I mean, they're, you know, they're a better team and their record indicates. So uh, I think that could be a good game this weekend. Tampa and New Orleans. Um, look, New Orleans is much better on the road than they are at home. But last year, they really beat up on Tampa Bay until the playoffs. They got them in the regular season. Um, now that they have Jameis there, how will that look? That could be interesting. Dallas, Minnesota could be an interesting game. Both those teams coming off on bye. Dak has his calf injury. How will that affect him, limit him? Um, and in Philadelphia, Detroit, Joe, is this the game the Lions finally win? Might be. The way the Eagles are coming in there, Detroit, I love their attitude last week against the Rams with the fake punts and the field goals. Dan Campbell is trying to win games, and uh, he, he might get it done this week against Philly. So those are, the, or those are some games that stuck out. I'll leave some others for, uh, for best bets later on, but uh, those are some games that, that struck me. Yeah, the same ones that kind of stuck out to me. Um, it's going to be a big week because in terms of what some of these games mean for for the standings and for 
tiebreakers. Uh, again, if the Colts lose to the Titans, that division's pretty much wrapped up. They have a three-game lead, the Titans, and they would already have won both games uh, against the Colts. So that'd be pretty much done. Um, I don't know that the Vikings – all right, they're, they're solid. I don't know that they're going to be in the playoff mix um, in, a, in a big way. They're 3-3. Three and three. They could probably get in the wild card mix. Um, so you start looking at, you know, getting a big win in conference against the Cowboys, what that could mean. Um, the Packers-Cardinals game, again, a shame that it's, it's not full-strength Packers, but that could be – we're going to look back on this game maybe a couple months from now and say that that decided the one seed versus the two seed. Mm-hmm. And, in you know, in the current playoff system, that's the difference between a bye and not having a bye now that we're switched to the super wild card weekend where the two plays the seven and uh, only the one seed gets a bye. So that's a big one for that as well. So it, it's a big week. It's an important week. Uh, another sneaky one in there, Patriots home uh, are at the Chargers. Um, that's a good game as well. So it's, it's a good week, again, after a bad week last week. And part of the reason last week was so bad was because we had so many buys. It's had six teams on a buy last week. And yeah. you would think that – two this week. You, yeah, you would think that in a year where we have an extra week of the season, buys go until week 14, where I believe four teams have a buy in week 14 – yeah, it would have spread them out a little bit more, but no, here's six buys in week seven. So, all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that takes us into best bets now. Um, we both are as tight as it gets. Uh, I am up one game and one point on you, PJ. Um, it is No, we're tied game. in the games, 22 and 18. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. We both got four games uh, over 500. I'm a point up. Um it's good though. That's you know we both got a winning record. It's good to be this tight where we both have a winning record because I think yeah. last year, last year we both finished strong, but last year like early on we were both like neck and neck, but like below five. We got our, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, so twenty two and eighteen is respectable. We're winning more than we're losing. That's yeah. the idea. Yeah, which is good. Um, you start us off. All right, my number five game going to late night college football. Virginia plus two and a half against BYU. Bronco Mendenhall, the coach of Virginia, used to be the coach at BYU. This will be a revenge game for him. I always like that when coaches are going back to a place where they've coached because, especially in college, they want to win. Their players want to win for them. And you're making a trip like that from Charlottesville, Virginia, to Provo, Utah. I mean, you're not going there and not trying to win the game. So BYU's been sputtering a little bit. They got off to a 5-0 and start. They've lost two of their last three games. Um, I, I like the way Virginia's been playing. They just, you know, under Bronco, when spreads are tight like this, when they're kind of coin flip pick them games, Virginia tends to win a lot of them. So I like the Wahoos plus two and a half against BYU. I like it. I'm actually going to the well of the Titans-Colts game twice. For the first time, it's going to be Colts money line as the number five pick, and it's at minus 105 at the moment um, for the reasons you said before, just – Everybody loves the Titans right now. They're coming off of beating the Bills and the Chiefs, and they got the Rams next week. And, oh, by the way, you have a road game against a tough Colts team that's desperate to beat you to keep their division hopes alive. As I said, Titans win. They go to 6-2. and two. The Colts fall to 3-5, and five, so it would be a three-game lead, and the Titans beat the Colts twice. So that division would pretty much be done. So they, they go the other way where it's uh, a Colts win at 4-4 four and four and the Titans at 5-3. and three. We've got a tight division race. Um, so I think it's, it, this is a massive game for the Colts. They got the momentum of the win against um, the Niners, and the Colts don't have a look-ahead spot because 
their next game is the Jets, so they can do whatever they want in this game. So uh, I like the Colts in this one to get the win, um, and I'll come back to this game in a moment. Um, well, Joe, my number four is uh, Indy, money line oh, against Tennessee. Go. So, look, you just said it. I said it a little bit ago when we were talking about the NFL. I just I like the Colts. Tennessee's due for a letdown. Look ahead next week. Tough to beat a team two times. Indy knows how to stop Derrick Henry. They play against him twice a year, so nothing new there. I like the Colts money line as well. Uh, number four for me. I'm not coming back to that game yet, but I will get back to it. Uh, Notre Dame minus three and a half at home against UNC. UNC was this team that everybody was in love with coming into the season. I never saw it. Still haven't seen it. Not a good football team. Notre Dame at home. They would love nothing more, of course, than to try and go ahead and finish with one loss just to give the committee something to think about, depending on how the other chips fall elsewhere. If they go with one loss and you know that the playoff committee, because of how much money is involved in Notre Dame, would love to be able to put a one loss Notre Dame in there. They're going to do everything they can to, to try and still get their way in. Um, and look, Notre Dame, they came off that big win uh, against USC last week. They looked pretty darn good doing it. 40, or sorry, what was it? Uh, 31-16. They have the 41-13 win against Wisconsin, a loss against Cincy. They had a tight win that they just squeaked out against Virginia Tech. It's a better football team than I think I thought they were going to be this year after we saw them kind of struggle early in the year where, you know, they, they beat Toledo uh, by, by a field goal. They went to overtime in that game against Florida State. Um, but they really turned it around by after they beat Purdue by two touchdowns, which again looks like a better win in hindsight because Purdue has the win against Iowa. So a uh, better team than I thought they were going to be. I didn't think UNC was going to be good. They're even worse than I thought they were going to be and even more of a letdown than I think I thought they were going to be. So I like Notre Dame minus a three and a half at home in this one. Um, I would like that pick. I would be with it on you. Kyle Hamilton and those out for Notre Dame, their safety, which worries me against that North Carolina offense. I'm not changing a pick based on a safety. That's probably the least important. I mean, he's one of the best players in the country. (laughs) So I'd be a little nervous. My number three, I like Carolina plus three against the Falcons. Um, look, this is real simple. Whenever people are ready to buy into the Falcons, that's when they let you down. Okay. They've beaten the Dolphins and they've beaten the Giants. They've beaten the Jets. Let's pump the brakes, okay? Uh, I know Carolina's been struggling, too. Their wins aren't very impressive. But the way Carolina got blown out last week, Darnold gets benched. I think he bounced back. Smart by Matt Rule to come out earlier in the week and say Sam will still be our quarterback. Carolina needs to win a game. This is the kind of game that they can get right. Division underdog. Um, I, I like I like the Panthers in this spot. The Falcons just, they're not a good home team. They struggle. Carolina's a better road team than they are a home team. So I like the Panthers plus three. All right. Third one for me. Um, big number, but I think it's, it's worth it. Uh, I like Buffalo minus 13 and a half home against the Dolphins. This is a Buffalo team that shut out Miami in Miami. Uh, I believe it was, 40? No, Week 40 two. nothing was when they beat the Texans. Yeah, yeah they beat uh, 35 nothing against the Dolphins, and they played the Texans and won 40 nothing. I forgot which shutout was which, but um, they're at home off of a bye week, and they lost before the bye week. So unlike Penn State, I think they will actually go ahead and take care of business against a team that they should dominate. Uh, and the Dolphins right now, just with so much hanging over their heads, like, is this Tua trade going to go down with Deshaun Watson? It's just so much going on right now for a team that a lot of people had high hopes for incredibly disappointing um, offensive line is atrocious. The bills defensive front is going to feast in this game. 
Um, I would not be the, I, I, I'll put it this way. I would be more stunned if the Dolphins cover than if the Bills shut them out again. That's, that's I think, the disparity in this game. I think the, wow. the, the Bills are just light years better than the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are going to lay down in this one. Uh, my number two, Joe, this is a hold-your-nose special. I'm riding with your boy this week. Jets plus 10 against Cincinnati. Not only You're do I think insane. The, not only do I think the Jets will cover, they're going to win this game outright. You're this insane. Is, this is going to be the NFL. DJ, you've never made a worse pick in the history of this show. This, the Jets plus 10, is the NFL play of the week, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll tell you why. Cincinnati just had their biggest win in the Joe Burrow era. Had their biggest win in the last three, four years. They whooped Baltimore. They beat them. Everybody's talking about how great they are. All right, Cincinnati, how do you handle all that success. You're going on the road against the Jets team that just got their doors blown off. They gave up 50. They lost by 40. Now you're going to have Flacco starting or Matt White, whoever they decide to have to start. I, I, I love the Jets here. I think this is just your classic buy low, sell high, right? You're selling on Cincinnati. They can't get any higher than they possibly are. Jets can't get any lower than they possibly are. The Jets already beat the Titans this year at home, so it's not like they can't do it. I actually like them better with at, without Zach Wilson in this game. Last couple weeks when backup quarterbacks have started in their first game, Geno Smith against the Steelers got the cover in that one. Keenum against the Broncos got the cover in the win against that one. There's a thing about backup quarterbacks that teams just – they just it, it brings them together. They they know that every play counts. They can't make mistakes. They got to be sharper and focused. And the Jets got the number one team in the AFC coming into their house. They'll play with pride. They're playing hard. They're just not playing very good. The Patriots just you got to throw that out the door. The Patriots whooped them twice. Now they get a new opponent, a fresh face. I love the Jets plus ten this week. Zero percent chance that they win the game. There's maybe a three percent chance they cover. Jets um, money line, Joe. Everybody is, will be taking them in survivor pools. And I am too, and I'm not going to even think twice about it because the, they, the Jets have nothing on defense. They are missing six linebackers, including C.J. Mosley. They have That's no fine. shot. C.J. Uzoma and Joe Mixon are going to have a day. This game, I would be happy if the Jets lost 31-13. I'd be happy if they only lost 31-13. <laughs> Um, plus 10 boys and girls take it to the bank yeah i'm not i'm not putting this in my best bets only because <laughs> i have it in survivor and that's enough for me uh, and there was a couple of other picks that i liked but there's no shot that happens my second pick here or my number two pick under 51 in that titans colts game said i was coming back to it uh this game screams ball control running the ball between taylor and derrick henry um and it's a, a tight game between two division foes i don't see a lot of points in this game. Um, I nailed my number one pick for the under last week in, in, in Titans Chiefs. It went under by 27 points. Um, the total was 57. They ended up at 30. And then the first time these teams met, the, the Colts and Titans, it, it came out to 41 points. So we're 10 points under what the total is for this one. And again, with the way these teams play ball control with, with those two running backs, Taylor and Henry, I, I was stunned when I saw 51 as a total for this game. My number one pick, you've been bashing them a little bit here on the pod, but I'm going Penn State plus 18 and a half versus Ohio State. Love Penn State this week. I think about the Florida LSU game last year, and everybody remembers the guy on 
Florida who threw the shoe against <laughs> LSU and cost them the game. It's the same. It was the same exact spot. Florida was three touchdown favorites against LSU. They had Bama in the SEC championship game. Florida was just looking ahead. That's all they wanted. They wanted Bama. Penn State, all they wanted was Ohio State. They didn't take Illinois seriously. There was some crappy weather. They played sloppy. They deserved to lose. The Penn State team you saw last week, you will not see this. Remember, Penn State should have beaten Iowa if Clifford's there. They went on the road. They beat Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin's not very good, but first game of the season, that's a solid win. They beat a decent Auburn team at home. Penn State's a good football team, but because of how Ohio State's looked in recent weeks, because of that loss to Illinois, you're getting an inflated number here. I mean, this should be like 14, 14 and a half, 18 and a half is just crazy. Uh, give me that value. Give me those points any day. Ohio State, too. I love them on the road, but at home, they lost to Oregon this year at home. We mentioned in past years, they lost to Oklahoma at home. They lost to Michigan State at home. Ohio State at home is beatable. When they go on the road, they're a different animal. I don't know what gets into them. But at home, they're beatable. And I think Penn State, you're going to see a much different team this week than you saw last week. I think they play the Buckeyes really tough. 18 and a half, too many points. All right, number one for me, Michigan minus four and a half. There's a completely different vibe around this Michigan team this year. They're having fun with Jim Harbaugh. And it seemed like the last few years, there was always like they're stressed and there's like a weight of the world on them. They're loose. They were doing the jump around at Wisconsin when they beat Wisconsin this year. Um, and we talked about it way back towards the beginning of the pod. I, they just match up so well with Michigan State. And like you said, whenever whenever Michigan State's not supposed to beat them, that's when they hang around. Whenever Michigan State has expectations, they lose to Michigan. And it's the same thing here. Um, I, I love the way Michigan has played on the road this year when they smoked Wisconsin. They beat Nebraska, a sneaky, tough team there. Um, under the radar thing here, you'd probably have to do a very deep dive in the research and like spend a lot of time on it, which I didn't do because I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, Michigan State coming off of a bye. Michigan is not. In this case, I think that hurts Michigan State, that they had a bye last week, whereas Michigan played last week. Because Michigan State had all this extra time to kind of build up this game in their minds. And I know it from being at Maryland for four years, working with a football team. We, we always didn't seem the same after a bye, just because if you were playing well, you want to get into that rhythm. We'd always have that damn bye in week five. Like after we started the season well, then we'd have the buy and we come back from the buy and get like just absolutely our doors kicked in because we weren't ready and you had you had the rhythm and then it's gone at Michigan State they were playing well um, they, they beat up on Rutgers they scored a lot of points against Western Kentucky they had a eh, kind of showing against Indiana and Indiana team that's not very good they only won 20 to 15 then they had the buy so you're going into the buy off of a less than stellar performance all this extra time to think about Michigan also while you're getting cold and kind of away from football for a week. Um, and then you got to ramp it back up to, to the highest level against your biggest rival. Um, on the other side, Michigan didn't have a buy. They had the buy the previous week. They came out of the buy, got their wheels turning again, smoked Northwestern 33 to seven and carry into this game. So I really like Michigan minus four and a half. All right. Very good. So we will see what happens. Joe is a one point lead. Uh, in that one, we're both 22 and 18. Joe thinks I'm guaranteed a loss in Jets Cincinnati, but you know. no, no, I don't think you're guaranteed a loss. <laughs> I think you saying the Jets could win the game outright is absolutely asinine. Oh, um, they're, they have a very, they can, I will be betting Jets money line. There is, that's a, just give me the money instead <laughs> and I'll bet it on something that could actually win. Um, the, the cover 
you, you said 10. I'll give you 10. I got a 10 I'm, and a half on FanDuel, which I love even more. Yeah, I'm, I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at 10 and a half on FanDuel, but you, you yeah. said 10, so you take 10. If it was if it was 10 and a half. Are you going to give me the 10 and a half? I'll take I'm going to give you the 10 and a half because I'm looking at 10 and a half on FanDuel. I'll be nice. That. That's what um, I saw too, but I've been seeing 10s a bunch of Yeah, I'll give you the 10 and a half. And uh, just because it could be like the Bengals and cruise control and Joe Flacco, like, trying to get a feel for the offense just like throws a bomb late or something when it means nothing. And they go from the 31, 13, I said to like 31, 20 or 31, 21, if they go for two, whatever, like I could see that happening and I could see a very slim chance of a cover. There's a zero less than 0% chance of the Jets winning this game. Cincinnati almost lost at home to Jacksonville and Jacksonville's better than the Jets, but they're not, they're not much better. So I'm it's, just saying, I, this I is agree a team. With you. The Jets, this is this is not. You're getting caught up in the Jets beating the Titans. This is not the Jets team that beat the Titans because they're down the quarterback. Even if Flacco plays, he's got five days in the offense because they just got him. So he's got five days in the offense. Um, he he has chemistry with the players because he was here last year, but it's a new offense from what the Jets had last year. So he's got five days to learn the offense and the defense. Again, it, there are. There's six starting linebackers, and you don't have six starting linebackers on a team. I mean, the six guys who have started for them this season, they're all out. Look, all the linebackers, when you're playing the Bengals, really aren't that important. D-line will shut down Mixon. Well, linebackers are very important in this game. When <laughs> you have a lot of those intermediate routes for Boyd and for Uzoma that Joe Burrow is just I going to light the Jets slot, up on. I just need the slot corners to play well. I just need the, the corners to play well, all right? <laughs> Maybe Jamar Chase will be dropping some we give you, We week. give you the best bets. I'll give you your best play in daily fantasy <laughs> this week. C.J. Uzoma is going to absolutely tear it up against the all Jets right. this week. All right, we'll see. We'll see. All right. <laughs> We're taking a chance. Let's go, Jets, baby. Trivia time, Joe. You're up two on me, 26 to 24 um our boy john boy uh just nailed it props to him on the trivia i had a feeling you know when i was looking at the starting lineup for the yankees against the phillies i'm like he's probably gonna get this like there there aren't any like crazy names in here but you know he did credit to him and uh as he should the jerry harrison pull as well that was really impressive that was incredible yeah that he got that so uh joe i got a world series question for you as well Real simple. Just need you to tell me the last five of the last five World Series MVPs. Just need you to give me three of them. Okay. Go ahead. Um, when the Dodgers won last year, it was – ooh, was it – was it Mookie Betts last year? It was not Mookie Betts. Mm. All right, that's a strike. Um – when the Nats won, it was Strasburg. That is correct. That yeah. is one. When the Astros won, it was Correa. It is not Correa. Ah. Deep strikes. Gosh. I'm going to strike out on this one. Because <laughs> um, in the last five years, it was the Astros in 17, the Sox in 18, Nats in 19, Dodgers in 20. And going back to 16, who was 16? All oh, the Cubs. Um, gosh, that's a good question. I'm not getting this. 30 um, seconds left. You, you got all so the teams guys. right. You just got to yeah. get 
You got to get the players. You, you never know sometimes. Like Hideki Matsui was the MVP when the Yankees right, won right. it that year. You get a random one. Um, the, Red uh, Sox, the Red Sox and Cubs are pretty random. So when I made the three, I was banking on the Dodgers, Nats. And I, I think I actually have the Cubs one. I think it was Ben Zobris. It was. That it is was correct. Ben you need one more. You got 10 seconds left. Um, so I guess a Dodger from last year or a... All right, give me give me Walker Bueller from last year. Not Walker Bueller. Uh, Corey Seager. Ah, he was great. You're right. It was Seager. If I would have if I would have guessed a Dodger, if I would have guessed a Dodger, I mean, I'm sorry, a, a Red Sox from that year, because that was the only team that I didn't have a guess for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I would have guessed a Red Sox from that year, it would have been. Um, you said it was a random one. Uh, I wouldn't even have a clue. Sorry, I got nothing. Steve Pierce. Oh, God, no. Yeah. God, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, now uh, that you say it, I remember the World Series he had, but I would have never pulled that. Exactly. Uh, Springer was Astros 2017. Ah, okay. And then Diaz Hobart's 2016. Well done. I, my okay. pro, I was thinking of current Astros, thinking that the, the core is still there, and he's gone. So, fair enough. Good question. Um, Tom Brady set the record. Well, not that he had the record already, but he set the, the benchmark yeah. of, of 600 touchdowns this week. Um. And after he got it, he was just giving all the love to the pass catchers. So I figured, you know what? Let's go ahead and um, ask the question of who are the top five touchdown uh, receivers of all time. Like it. Of okay. Receivers of all time. Yeah, all time. Not with Brady. Just Not with Brady. Oh, that would have been a good question. That would have taken That's where I thought you were more, going with it. Was that would have Brady's taken some more interesting. You know what? Hold on. Let me see if I can do that real quick. <laughs> That's actually uh, – most. That's totally where I thought you were going. I thought it'd be a lot of research, but uh, uh, let me see. Let me see here. All right, so hold on. This is, you know what? You just got yourself a different question because, because right. so the, I just found an article from March of 2020 that has the list of his most. And looking at the list, this is kind of a big hint for you, which you probably could have figured out anyway, that yeah, none of the Hawks are on the list. It's all right. Patriots. So since it's all Patriots, this list hasn't changed. Um, so uh, it has a little bit. I assume Gronk's still number one, but. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it hasn't right. changed in sure. terms of the list. Sure. Because right. Gronk is number one. Got so it. there you go. You get a free one there. <laughs> um, so give me, give me five of the top seven. All right. Uh, Gronk, let's go. Is Edelman up there? Edelman is number three at 36. Is Dion Branch up there? Three, four, five. Yes, he is sixth okay. on the list. Is Welker up there? Welker is up there. That's four already. Uh, is Randy Moss up there? Randy Moss is up there. Five. There you go. Okay. Uh, if um, you could go with a clean sweep of the seven, I'd be very impressed. Yeah. I mean, is Troy Brown up there? Troy Brown is not. He's three touchdowns below seven. Okay. Um, didn't have Amendola a long time. Um, yeah, I'll go Amendola. Not Amendola. I'll go Kevin Falk. Not Kevin Falk, but oh, okay. I like where your head's at. All right. Amendola and Kevin Falk actually both have 10. Okay. And you know, you would never guess who's next below them. It's Mike Vrabel with eight touchdown catches. Oh my God, I would not. <laughs> 
So it's a running back then is one of the guys? One of the guys is a running back. So is it James White then? It is James White. Yeah, okay. And the seventh guy is Aaron Hernandez. So I'll leave that alone. Yeah. Um, but, I was thinking uh, him. But... That's, the, gotcha. that's the rest of the time. So um, the question was going to be, like I said, the top five receivers. Yeah, I can, do, I can do that too. That was yeah, just, go uh, for it. Let's see. That was see. a fun one. Top five receivers. Um, all right. Well, Jerry Rice is up there. Correct. Um, is Gronk up there? Gronk is not up there, no. Uh, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison is number five. So you got number one. You got number five. Um, Randy Moss. Randy Moss is two. Okay. Let's see. So maybe like Michael Irvin or Larry Fitzgerald has a lot. Calvin. I'll go Calvin. Calvin did not play long enough. He's all the way down at 23. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was not good. Okay. Um, I'll go Michael Irvin. Yeah, I'm looking for Irvin, too, actually. Um, I'm going to have to command F his name. I don't oh, see Oh, boy. It. He Never is. Uh, he's at 61. He only has 65 oh, touchdowns. Devontae Adams already has as many touchdowns that Michael Irvin had. So is Larry Fitzgerald up there? Larry Fitzgerald is sixth. So he's, he's just on the outside. Um, They're two big names. It's not obscure guys. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I should have I should have stuck with giving you this one so you wouldn't have gotten the point for today. But you got the I'll, point. I'll get right. a half. I'll go to 24 and a half. <laughs> um, two big name guys. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um. Greatest receivers of all time. Um, I mean, it's no tight ends, right? Like, it's not Gates or Gonzalez. Uh, Gates is seven, Gonzalez is eight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, is it, is it guys like Lynn Swan or Andre? No, Reed? no, I, I, you're done. You're, you're done. Okay, yeah. you, you'll, take your ha- you'll take your half if you want to take your half. Go ahead. Question changed last minute, but three was T.O. and four was Chris Carter. Uh, Massive yeah. names here. I thought. Wow. <laughs> never, <laughs> never even came across my radar. There you go. That's good. All right. Well done. Yeah, I'll just leave it alone at 24. That was your question. The Patriot one was just, that was a good one. Okay. So, uh, all right, nice. Good stuff, Joe. So still up 22. Trivia, we're neck and neck. Thanks again to John Boy for uh, coming on. Great to meet him. Have him on, obviously, to talk some World Series with baseball winding down here. So, well, we have a champion by the time we do the next episode. What's the schedule? Thursday's an off day. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, yeah, definitely. Wait a minute. Two, <laughs> game seven would be Wednesday next week. So, yeah, we will. I, I was trying to think of, like, when the off days would be. We'll definitely have a champion by the time we record next. So And baseball so will be done. That's kind of crazy. Baseball will be done. And then we shift focus more towards college basketball, which starts on November 8th or 9th. Um, it's good, PJ. It's, it's a good time. It's a good Great time. time. <laughs> All right, Joe. We'll see you, uh, see you next week. See you next week, episode 66.